Well, welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. I am your host, Michael Delaware. And today we're going to explore what Battle Creek was like in the year 1850. We're gonna talk about the industry, we're gonna talk about the politics of the day, who was in the White House, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So come along and join me. So in the year 1850, Battle Creek was an organized community in March of 1850 that year, under a charter granted by the legislature of the state of Michigan, the newly formed village elected its first village president, and that was William Brooks. He was a hardware dealer, and he established, essentially, the first form of government in the township. Now, the population of the community during that time was 1,064 people. This is the year 1850, remember, and that represented about 5% of Calhoun County's population as compared with nearly 50% at the present time. Battle Creek at the time in 1850 was the smallest among the principal cities in the entire state of Michigan except for Saginaw. So the need for self-government was so strongly felt that action came when they formed the village government in 1850. Now during that time in Battle Creek there was no public improvements of any character. There was no water supply, sewers, paving, electric lights, telephones, no streetcars, or other public conveyance except the Michigan Central Railroad and stagecoaches which traveled from north to south. The retail business district of the city center was at Main and Jefferson in the intersection now known today as Michigan and Capitol Avenues. Stores extended northward from Michigan Avenue and the principal places of businesses and what is now East Michigan Avenue. The Michigan Central Depot stood approximately on the site of the railroad's freight depot, and the center of manufacturing enterprises here in 1850 was along what was known as West Canal Street, which is now State Street, and along the other mill race on Jackson Street. All industries, including the flour and grist mills, were built in locations which permitted them to use water power from the mill races. The industries themselves were all very small, and there was no large-scale employment, and the census of 1850 showed less than 300 people employed in industry in the entire county. Now, the largest enterprises in Battle Creek were the mills during that time period, and the largest single mill was the Wallace Woolen Mills, an enterprise that started in the 1840s, by William Wallace, who later served as a mayor for 15 years and also as a postmaster. Mr. Wallace not only bought wool and shipped it to eastern markets, but at his plant, yarn was spun and wool cloth was manufactured. The principal flour mills were the Hart's Mill, built in 1847 by Jonathan Hart, and the Pioneer Mill, built in 1837 by Almond Whitcomb, which in later years was widely known as Titus and Hicks. The Nichols and Shepherd Company had been started in what is now West State Street in 1848 by John Nichols and David Shepherd, 
but it was not a large-scale employer at the time. The firm operated a small foundry and a small machine shop, producing agricultural implements and later added a patented water wheel. The threshing machines came years later. Other industries that provided modest employment here was the Adams and Smith Wagon Shop, which had its start in 1845, the Elijah Clapp Carriage Works, and the Battle Creek Tannery, started in 1847 by Charles S. Gray and John Palmer. Now, the first settlers that had come to Battle Creek in 1831 had been here 15 years by the time 1850 rolled around. Sands McCamley, who was the original proprietor of the town and was still a leading resident, had constructed the mill race, and his brother-in-law, William H. Coleman, had become the town's first merchant with his general store at Michigan and Capitol Avenue. The principal hotel at the time was the Battle Creek House, which stood on the corner of Michigan and Capitol Avenues. The block in Michigan Avenue from Capitol to McCamley was mostly lined with residential homes. At least seven churches had been organized in the community by the time Battle Creek became a village in 1850. These were the Methodist, which dated back to 1834, the Baptist, established in 1836, the Congregational and Presbyterian, founded in 1836, St. Thomas Episcopal, which dates from 1839, the Quaker Church, started in 1836, and two African-American churches, the Second Baptist, founded in 1849, and the Mount Zion African Methodist Episcopal Church, which was founded in 1850. Now, what were some of the topics of national news that were likely to have been discussed in Battle Creek during that time that were on the minds of the citizens? Now, despite such issues as the exciting news of discovery of gold in California, local and state political battles, and the organization of the first local government for the village of Battle Creek, the dominant issue confronting local citizens was slavery and all of the ramifications that this issue included. Clouds of war were on the horizon and they all could feel it in the pulse of the national environment in the newspapers. In the mind of the average citizen, the issue was probably not too clearly drawn yet, although the residents, regardless of party, had a disquieting feeling that things weren't working out just right and that probably trouble would soon In the halls of Congress, Northern Democrats were as much as odd with their Southern colleagues on the issue of slavery as they are on issues of any other thing today. The abolitionist movement was outwardly strong in Michigan, but in 1850 it had not gained majority support. For example, one of Michigan's U.S. Senators was General Lewis Cass, who was opposed to anti-slavery measures when they came up in Congress, had been currying favor with the Southern Democrats who were in favor of slavery, especially during his time of running for president. The Underground Railroad was already functioning here in 1850, and it received added impetus when Congress adopted the Fugitive Slave Law in September of that year. The local man at the top of the Underground Railroad activity here in Battle Creek was Erastus Hussey, who had become known throughout all of southwestern Michigan for his friendly aid for fugitives on the run. The Quaker Church in 
in particular was in the vanguard in the fight for freedom for African Americans. And Mr. Hussey was a Quaker. This was the same year in the United States that the Compromise of 1850 was passed. That was a series of bills authored by Henry Clay of Kentucky. Among those bills was the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850, which many suggest was sparked by the Adam Crossfight incident that occurred in Marshall a few years earlier. Another notable newsworthy event in 1850 was the new state constitution was drafted. The Michigan state constitution was completely rewritten in 1850, and the Calhoun County delegates to the convention were Isaac E. Crary out of Marshall and Reverend John D. Pierce, Sands McCamley, the original proprietor of Battle Creek, as well as Milo Soul and W.M. Morrison. Battle Creek had purchased its first fire engine in 1846, just four years earlier, and after fighting several fires, particularly one with the Presbyterian Church, several volunteer fire companies had been organized throughout the city. By the time 1850 rolled around, there were approximately four to five Battle Creek fire companies in the Battle Creek area alone. But what did they do for entertainment during that time? Well, entertainment for local residents during the 1850s was strictly of the pioneer variety, but it was adequate. Dancing parties were frequent at the upstairs halls, and orators came to town during the winter season. In the earliest days, usually Local churches were used as their auditoriums, and, and the male citizens of Battle Creek took their politics very seriously. In each national presidential campaign, tall poles from which flew the flags of the candidates. The aftermath of each election was a celebration by the victors, which usually took the form of a rally at the principal corner of the town. No harm was done by building a big bonfire in the middle of Michigan and Capitol Avenues, and orators usually located themselves on the convenient balcony of the Battle Creek House. But besides those activities, Battle Creek was treated to that American institution, the circus, from the earliest days. The Pioneer Showground was on West Michigan Avenue near Carlisle and Jackson Streets. Smaller circuses would set up on Southwest Capitol Avenue, which was sparsely built in those days and afforded a lot of open spaces. The circuses that entertained our citizens in 1850 and earlier had names that are little known today, except for a few that survived later in the years. P.T. Barnum was one of them, but there was also the Titus Angeveline Company, which visited here in 1841, bringing curiosities as an elephant and a giraffe. Other circuses here in that early era included Raymond and Company and the Van Ambergen Company, which brought Hannibal the Elephant, among other animals in their menagerie. There was also the Spalding and Rogers Colossal Dramatic Equestrian Circus, J.M. June and Company Hippodrome and Menagerie, the Railroad Circus and Crystal Amphitheater, Denstone's Original Railroad Circus, and E.F. and J. Mabel Grand Caravan, and Franconi's Colossal Hippodrome. On the entertainment side in the 1850s, one of the popular features was the frequent visits of panoramas and dioramas of notable events. These consisted of paintings, sometimes life-size, of such things as Pilgrim's Progress, New York City, 
and the perils of the California gold rush were depicted in this kind of art. Other community events included lectures on temperance and slavery, as well as frequent notable speakers who dealt with other lofty and sometimes abstract subjects, as well as talent shows. In 1850, Zachary Taylor was the president of the United States in the White House, but he passed away in July of that year, and newspapers announced the death in the tradition of the times in full columns in the newspaper. General Taylor, affectionately known as Old Rough and Ready, was succeeded in office by Vice President Millard Fillmore of New York, a more cultured and educated man, but who nevertheless found a great difficulty in coping with the strenuous issues of the time. The population of Calhoun County in 1850 was 18,955 people, with men outnumbering the women by about 700. There were only about 207 African-American residents in the county in that year. The county had come close to doubling its population since 1840, the influx having been spurred markedly by the arrival of the Michigan Central Railroad in 1845. The entire nation numbered only 23 million people in 1850, and Battle Creek's population of 1,064 placed it well down at the bottom of the list of Michigan communities, as I mentioned earlier. It was smaller than Marshall, Albion, and Coldwater. The ranks of the cities in size from largest to smallest was Detroit at 21,000 people, Flint at 3,300, Grand Rapids at 3,147, Kalamazoo at 2,507, Jackson at 2,363, Coldwater at 2,166, Marshall at 1,972, Albion at 1,665, Lansing at 1,229, Hillsdale at 1,067, and Battle Creek at 1,064. The only city smaller was Saginaw at 917 people. This was the year 1850. In the census of 1840, the Calhoun County population had been 6,378. There was no figure for Battle Creek because it was part of the townships during that time and was not an official village. The adjoining townships in 1840 had the following numbers. The Battle Creek Township was 996, Bedford 219, Penfield 373 people, and Emmett 647. Marshall was then the most populous township in the county with 1,763 people. Putting it into perspective, the population of Calhoun County in 1950 was over 100,000 people. The first steps in the direction of modern public schools with an education system was taken in Battle Creek around that time period. In 1847, they held a meeting at the Quaker Meeting House, which is now on the site of the St. Philip's Church. And at that meeting, the Consolidated School District was established there, but it wasn't until 1850 that the consolidation was fully accomplished and the new schoolhouse was built in its own building on a site on North McCamley Street. By 1850, Battle Creek had a 16-year history in the field of education, the first school having been established on the site of what was later the Battle Creek Gas Company, and the first schoolmaster in 1834 was Warren B. Shepard, and the first school building was built for the sum of $500, and it was a log cabin. 
raised by the citizens. But by the end of 1850, the first Battle Creek Public School was housed in its new building, and Ansem D.P. Van Buren became the first principal. Mr. Van Buren established wide fame by his prolific writing of accounts of life among the early pioneers, of which he was one. So that kind of gives you a quick summary of what life was like in 1850 in the village of Battle Creek. It also kind of gives you some insight into other life and times during Southwest Michigan history. Battle Creek remained under a village government until 1859 when it was incorporated as a city. So for only nine years did it exist as a village with village presidents. But it was a very interesting time and 1850 was the start of the city's progress and organization which later became a city. Well that's going to conclude today's episode as we looked back at the year 1850 in the city of Battle Creek and parts of Calhoun County. On my YouTube channel, I've covered a lot of back history on the city of Battle Creek as well as other parts of Calhoun County. So I'll put a link to my YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do so and subscribe. I've got a lot of really fascinating topics. If you're interested in that local history, that is what I endeavor to provide. And of course, if you like the podcast episode, be sure to subscribe so that you can get all my future episodes. I publish typically on Tuesdays and Fridays, but in the month of April, I'm trying something new out by adding additional episodes on Sunday. If you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here, take some time today and visit michaeldelaware.com. In the top links on the title bar, you'll find a way that you can make a direct donation if you'd like. There's also a link to a merchandise page where you can buy t-shirts and hoodies and other items that are related to some of the topics on my YouTube channel as well as my podcast. And once again, thanks for journeying with me into history. I hope you'll come along with me next time as we take on another adventure into the past. Thanks for listening.